Is there ever really a good time to uh, hit the record button and just start talking? I was uh, thinking the same as far as music goes. A couple days ago, I was sitting in the old studio and feeling like uh, I really need to be recording. I had just uh, a few days before, could be more than that since I've lost all track of time and space during this whole pandemic thing. But um, I had recorded a video, a tour of Green Desk Studios. I had spent a lot of time updating my setup, and uh, I wanted to document it. And uh, I had been doing that, I discovered, um, all along for, for years, but especially in recent months. And it was incredible to me to see how... The studio has evolved, um, just how much it's changed. And, um, but I had it in a place that I felt like, okay, I could, I could at least stick with this through the pandemic and have, uh, have a really, have a really good setup. So I recorded the video. And then I also went on to my website and, um, created a new page that was just called Green Desk Studios, and I had not only that little tour video, but I went back and just looked through photos of the studio as it evolved across time, and I've been doing this for a long time, and there just happens to be a lot of photos of uh, me sitting in my studio whether I'm taking them or, you know, they're screenshots because I'm videotaping myself with a song idea or often I would look for a photo to put on a blog post to sort of go with a song I had just recorded. And what I would just do is just take a, a snapshot of the studio at that time. So I had a, a lot of photos to go through and it was fun to see how the, the studio evolved over the years. And, um, and then I did that, you know, this little video of, of how it is now and then I realized um, yeah what about what about actually recording a song that's how I I ended the studio tour videos uh, you know now let's record some music so um, it took me a while to actually get going on that one of the the newest little toys I have is this um, drum machine pedal called the strum by Digitech and I already have a an old drum machine, the Boss Dr. Rhythm 770, um, that I like to use to play drums live. You just use the pads, and it's it has the feel of um, playing live. But when you're working on a song idea and you want to just get a quick beat going, there's nothing that stops me in my tracks more than having to create a drum beat or you know, go into GarageBand or some other software and look at all the pre-set beats and try to find one that you think fits. By the time you're done doing that, the idea has kind of come and gone. The strum pedal gives you a very quick way to just using a, a kick and a snare, you, you quickly tap out or you can even use your guitar strings 
the you can program it so that the the bass strings on your guitar activate the kick drum and the higher strings on your guitar activate the snare and you can just either strum out or t tap out using the pads a quick little beat within seconds and the the pedal itself generates the rest of it it just creates you know um, a verse a, even a, a chorus which is a slight variation and you can have it automatically create a bridge and you can tweak it and within 30 seconds you have a beat and then you can keep sort of developing your song idea so that is um what i did put that to use when i finally sat down and recorded this song but um i basically recording is a frustrating process but like everything in as far as my creativity goes just sitting down and doing it almost always um produces something that i'm happy with maybe not right away so in this case this new song which i'll tag on to the end of this podcast or maybe i'll i'll just stick it on the end of this particular part of the podcast but i started out and i just i i got the beat going that i wanted for it to sort of anchor me using this new pedal and then i tried to layer the acoustic guitar as you know one track and then over the top of that do some vocals and immediately the whole thing felt too stiff to me uh, i've always struggled with recording with uh, a click track or some set metered thing that doesn't really have feel to it and i almost always struggle with recording guitars and then vocals separately i just can't seem to get the mojo going unless i'm playing at the same time so I quickly scrapped what I recorded and then just did a live acoustic version of the song such as it was, which was a, a very new thing that I just barely finished the skeleton of. In fact, the lyrics I wasn't even sure of until I actually sang them. And um, I played it back and I I wasn't happy with it. It just didn't it didn't seem to lend itself to just the acoustic arrangement. Um, so many of my songs are kind of these mid-tempo things, and it just it seemed kind of boring. So I said, all right, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to play with all the stuff in my studio. And then once I had the vocals and the acoustic, and that, that which is the you know basic spine of the song, then I just started layering a bunch of stuff on there, bass and different lead guitars and I brought up the old Dr. Rhythm and did some live drums to have some fills in there. And uh, I just sat, you know, in my office for, or office slash studio for a couple hours. And at the end of it, you know, I, I just, it took me till the very end. I was actually happy with it. Um, it was one of those songs that at each stage along the way, I was unhappy and thinking, this is just a, uh, a practice exercise and I'll re-record a, a, the quote-unquote real version of it later but that never happens uh, every single song I've ever done is the demo version and I know that's uh, it's just laziness is a huge part of it but I also like it that way I mean I'm not really motivated to to do anything else I'm not making money or playing in a band or anything I just enjoy the process up to that point so that's just what I do. Tell me a story. Six feet 
I mentioned this a million times podcasting is the same um i just haven't you know haven't done it in a while and i told myself i would and i don't really feel like i necessarily have a ton of interesting things to say because i've been just sitting at home like everybody else but uh you just hit the record button and usually something happens writing uh, i'm even struggling more with that the only thing i've written since this whole pandemic thing happened is um, I've got one huge writing project called Waiting for the Miracle, and it really starts with my experiences um, in 2007 when I lived in Mexico while my wife was doing her PhD research. And I just was 
I did a series of blog posts from there that were really some of the most interesting stuff I had ever written. And I, I just was building on that over the years. And I've had other little writing projects on the side that I've um, put up on, on the blog. One of them is called Letters to Old Bob. And that it's been sort of a series that, again, it just started out as an exercise, as if I was writing a letter to my future self, to my old man self. So I just imagined myself as a really old man opening this box of letters written uh, when I was younger and meant to be read only when I was really old. And I had done a few a few of those that I thought were interesting, but I hadn't done one in a long time. And then it occurred to me that since the uh, the leukemia diagnosis and everything that's gone through my mind since then, uh, it might be interesting to uh, to do another one of those because you know maybe I was avoiding it almost for that reason because the whole concept of having a future elderly you, um, although you always know that's not guaranteed, especially if you're you get a cancer diagnosis, you're thinking you know maybe I am right now the oldest version of myself I'm going to be. And so that that just sparked some interesting thoughts. So I, I finally did a little writing on that, and I will probably publish that soon on the website um, as well. And so, yeah, I'm still, you know, I am, again, in my element during this whole pandemic. Uh, my my uh, natural temperament and everything is to, is to spend a lot of time alone. And um, this really does just feel like summer to me. I do have a work routine. We're doing, obviously, like remote learning with the school district. And I get up in the morning. The the very first thing I do, because I am, you know, I feel like I need to justify my salary in some respects. I spend the first part of the morning on on work stuff. And for me, the routine is, you know, obviously I look at my email, if there's any referrals or situations that need to be dealt with. Like yesterday, you know, there was some middle school stuff, the fifth graders that are going to middle school, they need to register. And so I'll, I'll do some things with that. If anytime I get uh, wind of any community resource, like a couple days ago, there was a going to be a special distribution that the local Jewish center was going to do giving away little packages of toilet paper and um, hand sanitizer and uh, masks. And so I will, if I find anything like that or somebody sends it to me or I notice it, I will uh, gather the information and post it to all the families on the online platforms that we have so they have you know, access to that information. And then the main part of my morning routine is to just go through all the schoolwork that the kids are posting on these platforms because that's where the kids are. I mean, I, my job as a counselor, I'm not seeing the kids and no one's coming to me with problems anymore. And, um, and that's, that's okay, but I want to still want to interact with the kids. So since they're posting schoolwork online and that's what they're, what they're mostly doing right now, I have gotten access to the teachers online platforms and I'll, look at the kids work and oftentimes there is a personal element to it especially if it's you know a, a writing thing they'll be talking about their personal lives and and I'll I'll give them feedback just from a you know 
a counselor perspective and it's a, it's a way for me to have some back and forth with them and some of the, the parents obviously are are on those platforms too one uh, fun thing we did we had a a vehicle parade and i don't know why i was uh skeptical or cynical about this at first i thought oh man i don't want to do this which was a, a stupid thought because it was an absolute blast um, we all, all the staff went to the school in our cars and we had various signs and, uh, we drove around and we had a, a parade route that, um, some proactive person organized. Um, I forgot who it was, but to go through all the neighborhoods where the vast majority of our students live. And we obviously publicized it and then drove around as kept the uh, parade going as well as we could. I mean, it was hard at various times when you went through traffic lights to kind of keep it together. But And we honked our horns and waved our signs, and there was a ton of families and kids that were sitting on their porches or outside waving to us. And I got to see a lot of the kids riding their bikes, and uh, it was really a lot of fun and a good a good use of our time. So... So I do have my my work routine, but you know I'm spending on a super busy day. I could spend two or three hours, um, and that's it for my job. And we do have you know the Zoom meetings and staff meetings and things like that. I have a couple of those today, but for the most part, it's uh, yeah, it feels like summer. I've been working out a lot. I've been diving into uh, my creative projects and also just wasting a lot of time. Um, looking at videos and just exploring whatever my interests are. Um, let's see. One of the uh, one of the other parts of the routine at the at the end of the day, a lot of times my wife and I will maybe watch a show on Netflix or some other streaming service while we're eating dinner, and then we'll go for a walk. Sometimes up to like three miles, one to three miles, depending on what time it is. And then we'll just sort of chat about the highlights of each other's day. And that's been nice. Um, but we, uh, you know, we finished so many shows. And now it, it's difficult to find shows that um, we both can watch. I tend to like dark, psychological, twisted uh, things. Or at least shows that have an element of that. And my wife is not as into that. Uh, she doesn't like anything with gratuitous violence or like gratuitous sexuality and things like that. And uh, we both love sci-fi. One of the things that uh, is annoying, though, is so many of these sci-fi shows that are coming out now that they spend a, a shitload of money on CGI and and a lot of the the visual presentation. Then they hire all these 20 something actors that are all just like young hot people that can't act their way out of a paper bag. And then that just kills it for both of us. I mean, it's really annoying, especially it's just so silly. They'll have like a crew on a spaceship and these 19 year olds that somehow rose to the top of like their various fields. To, I mean, it's just so absurd. Um, and then, of course, most of them can't act at all so we've we've struggled we've started uh, so many sci-fi shows and then just couldn't continue because the acting is just such garbage so we were uh we were looking for a few shows the other day and, and 
we used my mom's uh, Amazon Prime account to look at some of the shows on Amazon as well. And, you know, we're looking online to find uh, something that could be interesting. And um, I saw that it was like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. There was a show called Fleabag, so we decided to uh, to try that out. And it ended up, <laughs> we lasted about uh, literally like four minutes into the first episode. And it was, it was hilarious because um, it's just so not not my wife's style and maybe the show i mean obviously people think it's a good show but the show starts out with like an anal sex scene and then this woman masturbating to a video of barack obama and <laughs> i looked over at my wife's face and i could tell that it was not her cup of tea and just started laughing and then stopped it and went on to another show and it, it brought back memories and one of the reasons i laughed so hard is it took me back to the first sort of official date that I had with my wife way back in 2001. Um, we, we went to a movie, and I basically chose the movie looking through the local sort of indie paper, and it was some artsy movie that had good reviews, you know, and I was, part of me was, yeah, trying to, impress this this new young woman by not going to some you know mainstream movie but some sort of artsy film and we met and we went to the theater and you know I had not looked in great detail I just saw that it had good reviews and it was like some coming of age thing and um, I just sort of trusted the the movie reviewer and the the movie was it was a foreign movie that was dubbed, and it was called, if I recall, Krampak. I had no idea what that meant. Um, we get into the theater, we sit down, and right away the title of the movie comes up, Krampak, and then in parentheses there's the translation and the word Krampak in whatever language meant hand job. <laughs> And I'm like sinking into the seat, totally not knowing, you know, how this is going to go over. And it ended up, there was a lot of, you know, uh, interestingly, there was a lot of gay sex. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but still, it was just kind of awkward. And uh, had I known that there would be, you know, so much uh, kind of graphic sexuality in it and stuff, obviously it wasn't the best first date film to choose, but we both laughed because, you know, it was apparent that uh, how sort of funny it was just the not knowing what we gotten into. So this this recent thing with Fleabag just took me back there, you know, with this good intentions of like doing some research, trying to find a show my wife would like. I knew it was a female lead character and um, supposed to be funny. And then it just it just gets right into this territory that I knew my wife would found pretty would find awkward one last uh thing i'll i'll close on that i found amusing um i was doing some some website stuff and putting up the uh the video on my youtube channel of the of the new song which i'll i'll put that in the um the post the blog post that has this podcast in it um and so I was on YouTube and I was 
on a different account. I wanted to listen to it on my phone just to make sure, you know, that it sounded decent through phone speakers. And I dialed up, or I, I just was trying to get to my YouTube channel. So I, I uh, put in Isaac Dust in the search. And, you know, every once in a while, it's fun to just search through to see, you know, who else is using that moniker. And um, it, it's really hard to to come up with anything truly original. Um, and I've, t- I've told the story somewhere else before about how I came up with that name, and I'll, I'll just leave that for now. But um, I immediately uh, saw that there was this song, and, and the title of the song seemed to be Isaac Dust. And, of course, I was curious and uh and i clicked on it and it was (laughs) i found it hilarious it did you know a song written about i guess um some sort of preacher in montana um at the and i'll put the video again up on uh in the show notes here but uh the song was written by a guy and it was um in on it said it was in honor of the great man of God, Brother Isaac Dust. Sounded like it. the song was about uh, a preacher in Montana. And uh, just because I'd come to, I've come to sort of identify with that, with that name, uh, it was just funny. I'll, I'll put a, um, I'll finish the podcast with just a clip of that song, just because I found it amusing. But it is, it's funny, it's, it, Nowadays, there's so much information out there. You literally cannot come up with something truly original. It seems like every, you can just take any random phrase and it's those words have been put together somewhere, sometime and in some context. Now, maybe that was always the case, but now we're, we just have access to that information. For example, um, at one point I thought about instead of Isaac Dust, I was thinking of a if I was going to do a band name, I was thinking of using the name Happiness Thief. And that comes from um, way back when I early on started music. I thought, you know, just the sort of dark, sad, mopey songs that I was doing then and still am now for the most part. It just seemed to to fit. And... Um, I'd, I I might maybe I called one of my early early demo records Happiness Thief, but I always had that in mind as a as a possible band name. Then a couple of years ago, I was thinking about it again. I was like, eh, maybe I'll maybe I'll change you know the name of the band, or I'll start a side band, <laughs> a side project with that name. And so I Google it, and of course, um. Uh, there is a movie that just came out uh, somewhere around like 2014 that was called The Happiness Thief. And I was just like, you know, damn it. It's like, you, and it doesn't mean I couldn't still use the name. It's still not like a, a widespread thing. But no matter what uh, what name you try to come up with, it's always, it seems like you're going to be stepping on someone's toes or somebody else copyrighted it or or used it first and then so it's it's impossible to come up with something completely original and i guess um again isaac dust that it never occurred to me that that was that would actually be someone's name you wouldn't think 
the last name Dust. It seems ridiculous, but apparently there there have been some Isaac Dusts out there. And uh, I will close now with this uh, song by a guy named John Bryan in honor of the great man of God, Brother Isaac Dust. Well, he doesn't charge $5,000 to come and sing the same old songs. And when the show's over, he doesn't take all your money and go back home. Do what you do, do what you must. You gotta have faith and you gotta have trust. Walk in the shoes of Isaac Duff. Try walking in the shoes of Isaac Duff. Ain't never gonna be another Isaac Duff. You can never be Isaac 